Our sermon text reading this morning is the first 10 verses of Galatians. So if you need to sit down, please feel free to sit. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, or according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel which is contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. Let me start us with prayer as we uh, look at this new book of the Bible. Father in heaven, it is my desire to be as clear as possible as we embark on the study of a new book of the Bible. And I desire, Father, to be truthful and clear as is possible. And while this morning's talk will be a little bit more like a lecture than a sermon, I would ask that it would be tilling the soil of our souls so that when the deep roots of your word are planted, that they would grow into what you want for us. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Friends, if you'll turn with me to the book of Galatians, we're going to be starting a new study this morning. And I'm going to start this talk a little bit differently than I do many of my other talks. We'll do, we will have some background information, and I'll, I'll do about a minute and a half of map work and all the rest of it. But my, it is my suspicion that the majority of us in this room who have any church background at all have either attended a Bible study or heard a sermon series on the book of Galatians. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. What, what it contains is very important. It's not any more important than the book of Nahum, but it's very different. But uh, because of its familiarity, uh, familiarity does in fact breed contempt. And I've taught the book a number of different times in my career. I've never preached through the book start to finish as the sole pastor doing it. And, and so as I began my preparation this week, I realized I, I knew considerably less about Galatians than I, than I thought I knew. And, and I'm hoping that you find that to be true, not because I'm a better preacher or because I'm a better scholar or that I studied harder than all the people who have taught this to you before, but 
but perhaps we can look at it with very fresh eyes because I was was very humbled in my study this week. This, This letter was written in the year 48 A.D., Um, If we were polled on the street what was going on in 48 AD, very few of us would have much to say about about anything. Um, So I'm going to give you a little bit about that background. And it was written, not surprisingly, by the Apostle Paul to a group of people who are called Galatians, whoever they are. And I'm going to try to introduce you a little bit to who the Galatians are this morning. But I want to tell you what's going on perhaps a little bit more in Paul's mind and, and maybe in the minds of the recipients. You see, around 47 AD, Paul had been a Christian for a number of years. And he had come to faith in Christ in a very different way than any of us in this room. As for a matter of fact, it was, it was different than anybody else in history. You see, a friend nor a relative came to Paul and said, I want to share with you the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, most of us know, was a Jew and Israelite, but but he was a little bit more than that. He was a student of Judaism, and, and it is very probable that he had what we call the Old Testament memorized from start to finish. The Hebrew Bible was that well known to the Apostle Paul. He had devoted most of his life to the study of the Hebrew scriptures, and he was an extraordinarily religious man. Um, and, and by his own words, he was an A-plus student. He, w- he was better than most of his contemporaries. His his professors praised him for what he knew and and he took pride in that. I don't I don't think he was arrogant, I but I think he took pride in the fact that when he was a student of the things of God, he really knew them and he knew them well and he cared about them because they were God's very words and they mattered. When Christianity came along, that was an offense to him because essentially the Christian message was that this person, Jesus, or Yeshua, who came from Bethlehem, was a Nazarene, was the long-awaited Messiah. And this Messiah had accomplished for his people the salvation of their sins. And, and Paul looked over Jesus' credentials and said, He doesn't fit the bill. He cannot possibly be the Messiah. And so he went on a tirade and he he started persecuting people who said that Jesus was the long-awaited for Jewish Messiah. So much so that he had people arrested, thrown into prison, and some even killed. He was taking a, a journey one day up to Damascus, which is the land that had been conquered by the Assyrians. And and on that road, he had a one-to-one audience 
with the very Messiah that he was persecuting. You see, the gospel didn't come to him through friends or family. The gospel came to him with a private audience with the main figure of the gospel. And it was a revolutionary day in all of human history. Not just for Paul. Because what happened in that moment and the subsequent years after that was that Paul saw all that he knew and understood about the Old Testament and the Hebrew Scriptures now through the lens of the one who was, in fact, the Messiah that he had met personally. And he realized that for his entire career, all of his knowledge was valuable, all of it was important, but it had been focused in an incorrect direction. And and now he knew the correct direction was the Lord Jesus Christ. And I jokingly say that I, I really think Paul lived with a headache for the rest of his life. Because all that he knew and all that he studied and and all the history and everything else was was now turned 180 degrees to see it in a different direction. And that, that had to be hurtful. But he went through life not only filled with joy, but there was no doubt regret because of the persecution that he had given to those who had been followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, and like I say, back in 47 AD, Paul had been appointed what we call the apostle to the Gentiles, which to me is very humorous because because he was an Israelite of the Israelites. And he knew so much more than than all the other apostles about the Hebrew Bible and Judaism and and everything else and and why he was made the the apostle or the messenger to the Gentiles is, is a great mystery, you see, because what he had to do was explain the gospel that he now understood to a bunch of people who had no exposure to the Hebrew Bible. But because Christianity was Jewish, he had to use the Hebrew Bible to do it. And that's a tricky bit of business, you see. That's why so many people in our day and age struggle with the Old Testament. Because we don't know what to do with it, you see. We don't know how to see our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through the lens that God has prepared it in, you see. Which is very Jewish, (laughs) By by the way, Jesus was a Jew, you know. Paul was a Jew. Our faith is is Jewish, you know. Uh, And and it's hard to get away from that. But when you go to a people somewhat like we are and, and they've never heard of the Hebrew Bible and you have to explain how Jesus is Messiah and King and Savior and sacrifice and high priest and all these other things, when all those terms are totally foreign to them, That's a chore. That's a chore. It's one of the reasons we spend so much time in the Old Testament so we can become familiar with what we don't know and how that part of the Bible explains who Jesus is. And so this apostle to the Gentile 
used to take trips. He'd take journeys. We call them missionary journeys. The Bible and the commentators and all this stuff talk about Paul's trips as missionary journeys. He was just a guy who had met Jesus who was told to tell Gentiles about Jesus. And so when he was done in one location, he went to another. And in 47 AD, he went through the region of Galatia. Now, if you have your maps, and this is going to be one minute, so don't panic if you don't have your maps. But Galatia is a region in what's called Asia Minor in the Bible. We would call part of it Europe now, where Turkey is. It's a big old region here, right about there. And and in that region, most everybody that was there were Gentiles. They didn't have any Jewish roots or or Jewish background or, or anything like that. But at this period in history, this region was run by Rome. And, and Rome had conquered what we're calling Galatia in about 25 BC. So let's say 75 years before this had become a Roman territory. And Paul traveled through here. And, and during his travel, right here is where Galatia is, you'll find it really light letters that'll say Galatia, right about in here, just north. It comes down and touches the Mediterranean and all the rest of it. And, and I want to point out two more things so I can get back to the mic. Italy's over here, and guess what's in Italy? Rome, the center of the universe, where the emperor lives, right over here on the coast, and they have conquered the entire known world, and that's what's going on right over here in this little valley. I'm sorry, this little uh, uh, cove over here, you'll see Tarsus, which is where Paul came from. But Paul took one of these trips, and he went through the Galatian region, and he started telling people about Jesus, the Jesus that he had met and known, and people came to faith in Christ. And churches were formed. Now, by this point, Paul had been a believer for about 14 years. Okay, so, so depending, in America, we would say a Christian who'd only been a Christian for 14 years could be very mature, or could be not very mature at all, you know. In Paul's day, and if you were Paul, and you'd been a Christian for 14 years, and had met with Jesus, and knew the Old Testament by memory, and now could filter all the Old Testament through Christ, you were mature. Paul had it fairly well figured out, and his message was, was not ambiguous. He was clear about what he needed to tell people in order to have a relationship with God through Christ. Does that make sense? His message was not developing. He wasn't saying, I'll try this out on these people, this out on those people, and see how it flies. He knew what people needed to know to have a relationship with God through Christ. And so he traveled through here, And a number of churches were formed because of the teaching and preaching of Paul. And Paul loved those people. And he cared about them. They were were among the first converts 
in the Gentile world that Paul had seen come to faith in Christ and churches had developed. And that matters. That matters to a preacher. It would certainly matter to an apostle who had had a private audience with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to take a break and then tell you what's going on in Rome. In 48 AD, the emperor of Rome was a man named Claudius. Now, Claudius was a very unattractive man, and he was made fun of by his family. They used to put his slippers on his hands during the meals because he would fall asleep, and then they would throw food at him, and he would wipe the food away with his slippers because nothing was more shameful than to touch your face with your feet. They made fun of him. His father was a guy whose name was Caligula. So his genes were not great. And in 54 AD, a few years after this letter was written, Claudius adopted a young man whose name was Nero so that he could become emperor. If you know anything about Roman history, neither (laughs) Caligula nor Nero were particularly swell fellows. Claudius was not a whole lot better, but but he did have military successes. And during Claudius' reign, they, for the first time in history, Rome conquered Britain, which they had been trying to do for a very, very, very long time. And so he was a very successful ruler and leader and expanded the Roman Empire. He had two wives. The first one was a serial adulteress, and she was very public about it. And so very mysteriously, quote, quote, her lover and she ended up dead. And and Claudius was sitting at a party, and, and it was announced, your wife is dead. And he said, too bad, and continued eating. He then married his niece, who ultimately had him killed. Um, So, you know, his moral standards were a little bit lacking as well. But during Claudius' reign, and this is perhaps the most important part, in 54 AD, you see, up to this point, the Jews in the Roman Empire enjoyed comparative peace because being... A Jew was considered a national religion, and you didn't pose a threat to the Roman Empire. But in 54 AD, Claudius kicked all the Jews out of Rome, partly because they were so successful in commerce, but partly because they became a bit of a threat. And so he kicked every one of them out of Rome, and so they dispersed all over the world at that particular point. And it was also during that time, uh, not just because of the being kicked out of Rome, but, but the Jews wanted to make sure that Rome understood that Jewish was different than Jewish Christianity. Because what the Jews were saying at that point was, these Jewish Christians actually worship a man that they call a king. And and they were trying to draw attention to Christianity because 
Rome doesn't want to have the threat from another king. And, and up to this point, the Roman Empire had, had kind of put Christianity and Judaism together, but, but that separation started to become broader after this kind of period of time. If, if I'm just trying to draw the picture of what is going on. But, the, but this region of Galatia was, was run by Rome, and these churches were all Gentile churches. And so Paul writes this letter in 48, and he has a very specific reason for writing this letter. He writes this letter because shortly after his departure, some other Jewish people came to Galatia and came to these churches, and these people were calling themselves Christian. And, and I'm going to paraphrase and paint a picture for you of their message to these churches in Galatia. They said things like, Paul's message was spot on. Absolutely bang on the head. Perfect. About Jesus being the Messiah about the Messiah dying on a Roman cross, about the Messiah raising again on the third day, and that that act providing you forgiveness of sins. But they said, Paul left a few things out. They may have said, we don't know if it was intentional. We don't know if it was because he just hadn't got this instruction yet. But there are things that you need to know that Paul didn't tell you in order to have a relationship with God through Christ. And we want to demonstrate those things to you from the Hebrew Bible. And, and so if you're in this church in Galatia, and you've got these people who are following fairly shortly after Paul. Paul used the Hebrew Bible to make his points. He had it memorized, after all. Probably was not carrying the scrolls. But, but he made his points from them. And these people came along and were making similar points in addition to the points that Paul was making. And they were saying things like this. In the Hebrew Bible, God speaks about the law. And the law was given by God from the very voice of God. And the law is perfect. And it's right and true. And what Paul left out is that there are things in the law that you need to still do in order to have a relationship with God. The things that are highlighted <coughs> are things about food. Point one, there's things that you can eat without a problem, and there are things that you cannot eat, but if you do, that is a problem before God. And the other issue is the issue of circumcision. Now, circumcision in our day is a little bit confusing because predominantly it's not done for what we'll call religious reasons, 
But in, in the Hebrew Bible, it was a sign and a symbol that the men of, the, of a clan or of a tribe or a household belonged to God. And, and as the heads of the household or those who would become the heads of the household, the men, they, they needed a physical sign to demonstrate that. And that sign was given by God as circumcision. And so these new teachers were saying, your men need to be circumcised. In other words, there are things that you need to do in order to have a relationship with God through Christ in addition to what the Messiah did alone. Now, I want to stop at this point and make, make two points that are going to be two of the things that we carry through in the entire book of Galatians. There are not many, but there are some who say, because the people who carried this message to the Galatians were Jews, we should always be skeptical of the Jews because they want to bring things in that are not Christian, okay? Christianity is Jewish. Jews are not the problem. There have been people since the time of Christ from every ethnicity on the face of the planet who have tried to add to what the Lord Jesus has done. So we're going to discuss how this kind of thinking is not merely a Jewish problem. The second thing is that they use the law to make their point. And the law is a very confusing thing for a lot of people in 2023. We don't know what to do with the law. And so all kinds of questions arrive that may not get answered, which is, is the law still to be in place today? Uh, if so, what part of the law? Is it all the law? What do I do with the law? Is the good? Is it bad? And see, because most of us who have been around church for any length of time have been led to believe, if not told, that the law is bad. You see, the law is bad. And it's done away with, and there's no place for it. And it's one of the reasons why our Old Testament is ignored because we don't know what to do with the law, you see? So we're going to spend a lot of time figuring out exactly what the place of the law was, is, and will be, because it's what Paul does in the book of Galatians, because he needs to. So the one thing that I want us to remember as we move forward is the law is perfect. It is the very word of God. It is given by him, and there is nothing wrong with it at all. The question is, what do we do with it? And how does it play in? And we'll be answering those questions, and we'll get no answers today. I'm very sorry about that if you were looking for an answer to the law in the next eight minutes, but it's not going to happen. All right. Paul writes this letter to these churches who have heard this message and Paul is cranky. And when I say cranky, I don't mean a little bit cranky. 
There's language I'd like to use, but I cannot use. Paul is really chappy, to say the least. So if you'll look with me, and I'm just going to summarize the problem, because I'm not going to do the whole sermon this morning, because what I was going to do is outline some other things. But verse 6 through 8, and I, and I really want us to focus on this, outline the issue that Paul is addressing in the whole book. <clears throat> Paul writes, by the way, he was dictating this letter to a secretary, which was very commonplace. At some point in the letter, he takes the pen and he writes, Paul was not illiterate. Paul had no problem reading and writing and doing his math and all the rest of it. But it was commonplace to, to dictate to a secretary. It's called an amanuensis. And I'm sure that uh, this guy's ears burned when he heard Paul's language. Verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now listen to this, please. Even if we, that is the apostles, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Now I want to explain the word accursed. I do not believe ever in my life have I told someone to go to hell. I, I don't think I have ever done that. We live in a world where it's meaningless, but it's not meaningless to me. Because to tell somebody to go to hell is to damn them to an eternity separated from God. When Paul says they should be accursed... That is exactly what he means. He says, if anyone, including me or any other apostle or an angel from heaven, gives you a gospel that is different from the one I originally gave to you, they should go to hell. Now, do we get the tone of Paul? Now, why is this important? I'm going to give you a couple of ideas, and I'll repeat this in the future. Really and truly, we live in a Christian world that will say things like this. The only things that matter are the central things of the gospel. And nothing else matters. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You believe he rose again on the third day. You believe that your sins have been paid for. That is what is central. 
and I will not argue with that at all. But the second one says you need to believe or do something more than Paul's gospel. We have stepped into the accursed category. And I didn't do this, Paul did. You see? Because this is not only the first time in his career, but it's the only book in the Bible where Paul defends the entirety of his gospel message to the world. You see what I'm saying? He's not defending himself. He's not angry because somebody has fallen into a sin like happens in the book of Corinthians when people go off the the rails in relationships and things like that. He is defending the very heart and soul of what was revealed to him by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, you see? And so he's chappy. He's chappy with two groups of people, the churches who have been led astray. How could you so quickly leave behind what came to you as authoritative? And he's very chappy with the deliverers of those messages. You see, that's what Galatians is about. And that's what Paul is doing. Now, I took a long time to set the table. But I've never had the table set for me in Galatians so that I know what to eat and why I'm eating it. You know what I'm saying? And so for the next 10 minutes of next week's sermon, the first 10 minutes, I'm going to give you Paul's gospel from verses 1 through 4. And I, and I want to give you an exercise, and, and then we're going to go verse 11 through chapter 2. Because there, Paul makes it very clear, my gospel didn't come from men. It didn't come from a church. It didn't come from Jerusalem. It didn't come from any of those places. It came from God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, who I met on the road to Damascus. And I will die on that, and anybody that adds anything to it is accursed. And it's a very, very strong message. But it tells us what to believe. So here's your exercise. Read verses 1 through 4. And I want you to go home, and this will be great. I want you to take a three minutes and write down what you think are the central components to the gospel. What somebody needs to believe to have a relationship with God through Christ. Then here's what I want you to do. I want you to write somebody else's name on top of that piece of paper so that if somebody else finds it, they'll blame the other guy if you're wrong. You see what I'm saying? So everybody put Mark Luce's name on the top of your paper and then shove it in the Bible so that if we discover that your gospel is incomplete or has had something added to it, we can blame Mark, right? That's a great thing. But shove it in your Bible, and we're going to go through and discover what it was that Paul taught. Because we're all here assuming that we know the gospel, that we have not left anything out, nor have we added anything to it.
Paul makes it very, very, very clear. And you know what he does? He uses the Old Testament to make his point to dumb Gentiles like you and I uh, so that we understand what it is to have a relationship with God through Christ from the scriptures that were available at the time. That's what Galatians is all about, and I'm very excited about it. And thank you for listening to 35 minutes of introduction. Father in heaven, we thank you for Paul being so adamant about the gospel being important. And thank you that your word is so clear. And help us be as jealous for the gospel as Paul was and is. And help us to understand how and why it matters. To the glory of Christ we pray. Amen.